have you been? I've been all right. Uh, I was a bit busy uh, for like the last two weeks. So balancing out my life was really hard because of that concert. But otherwise, now I think I'm a bit better, but I have a bit of backlog. So I'm just trying to catch up with creatures again. And yeah. I will see how it goes. <laughs> see how it goes. Yeah. I, I feel like today today will determine for me tonight when I jump back in to the stuff and like onto my laptop, I'll be like, okay, yeah. now I think I'm back up to speed. But for the most yeah. part, I'm really behind and it affects the whole team. Just give some workload to Raymond. Say, hey, take care of this. Yes, yes, his own man. Yes, yes, his own workload. So it's hard. I'm Bonnie Kibuka. On my podcast, The Ugandan Boy Talk Show, I've had an honor to sit down with some of the most incredible hearts and minds from Uganda, like Miss Uganda Oliver Nakakande, Jerome Ozo Job, the Executive Director of Jerome Model Management, Pastor Wilson Bogembe, and many, many more. On this podcast, you get to hear raw and real-life stories of their journey, what they've been through, and the people that have inspired their journey so that they can make a difference in ours. Listen to the Ugandan Boy Talk show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Join the journey soon. Uh, welcome to my podcast once again, Robin Malinga. For the listeners, for a quick introduction about Robin Malinga, is a, a storyteller and makes music, as you may have heard. Him talking about when I asked him how he's doing, uh, he was part of a Navio at 20 years. Um, so he does music, which we're going to talk about. And uh, he's a COO at Creatures Animation. And uh, as you might hear his last name, he's the brother to Raymond Malinga. Remember Raymond Malinga, who was here to talk about Kizazimoto, uh, Had a Boy episode. Now, this is his brother. Welcome to the podcast, my brother. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Um, the listeners, you won't know this, but I'm going to have to say, we recorded an episode, a full hour episode, and I, I blame myself for that, and the internet was not good. I listened to it. I was editing it. I was like, you know what? I don't want to put out bad work for either of us, and I asked Robin to come back on the podcast so we can redo it. So this is a take two. Yeah, this is take two. We're trying everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm recording on my end. You're recording on your end. I think. I think, like, this this is it this is it it will be it will be great i'm glad that we, we're able to do this again um but yeah you talked about life a little bit and i'm gonna start with the and the good thing you're back because the first episode we talked about you talked about your music journey and you were telling me how you were gonna go to this navio uh concert and i was able to see some of the clips how was the experience like oh man i i really loved i really loved the concert it was um i was playing bass for uh, the 20 years of Navio concert and um it's 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 hip hop you know and hip hop is fun yeah. anyway for for a bassist like me i feel like hip hop is the drums and the bass those are the people who are going to have the best time on stage and i was right. one of the people having the best time on the stage like it was such a nice experience i i really like i liked working with Navio i feel like he's very professional when it comes to working with everybody 
Um, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not every day that you find an artist who cares about the time of the band when they come for the rehearsals. They want to make sure guys leave on time, wants to make sure everyone is satisfied in all ways. And, um, you know, he is just generally really good. And, you know, he's hearing your input, your ideas, and you're like, what if we did this? And he's like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's, let's, let's go for it. Like, and, you know, there were some crazy ideas that I think actually panned out when we got onto stage. So it was really, it was really fun. It was really fun. I, I loved it. I am going to make a comment that not many people will understand, but the sound was good. And when the sound Almost is good, good. the sound yeah. is good. Uh, I was feeling the sound. And when the sound is good, I play better. So there are two things you've touched on that uh, when I listen to music, I focus on the sound and the beat and like the bass, mm -hmm. especially when I listen to hip hop music, like hip hop music, like you say, the bass. When I play the songs in my car, I want to feel the bass. I want to feel it. I want to, when I listen to music, I want to hear quality sound. That's why people don't know, but I'll tell you this about myself. I have a speaker in every room of my house and it's not like a regular speaker. It's like, like right now, when, when I was talking to you before we say recording, I have a boss sound uh, both speaker down here i have a a hidden canon i don't even know how to pronounce it but like the round one um, i have like a, a yeah. samsung subwoofer on my tv uh in my car yeah. there's a both speaker and i have those uh whatever jbl bluetooth speakers so anytime i'm listening and the airpod pro max that i, I have from apple they made those speakers yeah. like those those uh yeah. headphones and um the beats yeah. by dre I, I saw those but like when i'm listening to music i want to listen to the music i don't want to listen to probably tango back in the day like I, you remember <laughs> when we, we cut jerrycans and then we pull <laughs> yeah i know what you mean oh yeah. man like for me even me like sound is so important to me like uh when i moved when i moved out of my parents house uh my first major purchase was a sound bar a samsung sound bar with yeah. the woofer like i know a lot of people would go for a tv first but for me the sound was the most important thing and i yeah. I, I like what you say because i also have my bluetooth speakers i have my headphones my headphones which are aged i need to buy new ones but yeah. i also have studio monitors like right next to me here and this is like mm -hmm. my workstation so like when i'm seated here and I'm working. I don't have studio monitors to make yeah. studio music. Like I have a sound card and everything. I have it because I want to work in proper sound with the proper studio and left and right. So the times when I'm seated here and like, you know, I'm typing or I'm storyboarding and doing stuff like that. But then like with nice sound here, I'll just like, yeah. so my ideal office setting would actually be with studio monitors. And probably when uh, uh, we're able to get like, uh, individual spaces in our in our workplace probably i might do something of the sort yeah that's the thing i like about my job because of my job they let everybody bring their own speakers like i am a mechanic and like on my workstation i have my little speaker i have a speaker at my workplace too that's the other place i forgot to mention i don't know if people <laughs> will connect to what we're talking about but like i tell them like music is part of my life like i can't sing i can't play any instrument i mean i can play like the local drums and goma i used to mm -hmm. so like in in the us i think they play more local banjo bango banjo banjo yeah i think it's called a banjo banjo what's the bangles yeah bangles yeah. yeah i call it banjo yeah no the bangles yeah i play those i play those in church where the church i used to go to uh that's the only instrument i can play and it's because i 
I don't think that's an instrument. I don't know. Uh, it is what it is. It is. But it is uh, like so much. So, okay. So yeah, but I can't sing. I used to sing in church, in the church choir and school choirs, but that was a forced a forced activity. They forced me to sing it. <laughs> but now I love listening to music and I love watching people make music. So that's why I picked interest when I watched you at the concert and like seeing the joy they bring to you and talking to you about music. I love I love that. Oh man. Oh man, I love music. Like music, yeah. I know, I know. Um, um, film and music are very close to me, like this, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but music probably because there's something about performing. I love performing so much, and uh, for a while, I was asking myself whether I was going to like retire from performing because that's kind of uh, the life, the life of of most instrumentalists or let me call them gig men in the Kambala mm-hmm. scene. But, you know, you start out like when you've just come out of campus, you know, when you are there and you have the time. And then when you get into work life, it kind of dies down slowly and guys just disappear yeah. from it because the money is not that great. And um, guys just start prioritizing their work. And so I was looking at my life as well. And I was like, is this what I'm fated to do? And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I can't. I have to continue performing somehow. So I found a nice little balance. I perform uh when it really holds value to me like a concert mm-hmm. like like that like navio's concert i was like damn down that has a lot of value i'll go and perform and how did they find you for the navio's concert like how did you get links to performing at it well uh the short answer is uh the music director and i have performed for a long time his name is john Inyanga, and he was um the music director for for the show and performed together so much so you know it's like you need a bassist he's gonna call me he's gonna call me first before he calls somebody else because you know we sync so much musically and it solves a lot of problems like he's like bass solved so he was contacted to be he had been he had performed with navio at his last concert some years back maybe like in 2016 i don't know it's a long time back but like he had performed with him so he hollered at him and he hollered at me and that just happened yeah I would love to be in your place because I don't think you guys pay for the concert. You just get paid to be at the concert. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. You do kind of get a free I mean, show. And, and then you get the, the backstage. Yeah. You get everything. Yeah. yeah. Like full board experience. <laughs> There's something like people don't really know. And I feel like it's something that I, I, I started to appreciate much, much more um, uh, in these recent times because not many people get to experience the show from the stage you know a lot of people experience it viewing the stage but there's just something else i know the performer is facing you and everything but like when i'm looking from the stage looking at all those people's energy coming up and them screaming and shouting Mm -hmm. there's a different experience it gives you and i I just really love it i love being on stage man it's just it's just another feeling yeah, I bet, that, I bet that's cool because you play those the guitar, the bass guitar, and then you see the crowd getting into it. And it's like, oh, yeah, let's, let's do it. And just adds yeah, on to that yeah. energy. I, I love that. I love that. I love, but things that I love about concerts is like hearing the crowd sing, hearing the crowd scream. Like yeah. that, even if I'm watching it on TV and I hear the whole crowd singing your song or like people are excited, that mm. I love that about the concert. Like even, even if I'm just watching it from the side, that's something I, I really love. Um, and what you're talking about, about being on stage, I remember Eddie Kenzo came to perform in the US and he was in Dallas. So we went to Dallas and I had my camera. So I went on stage to take a picture. I was like 
today's content creators are ku stage over but akina nyaika <laughs> people who are always around there to like take those those oh, videos you know, I was there. interesting yeah i've i've recorded two episodes with nyaika on the podcast he's a he's a oh, good nice. friend but yeah nyaika like so i went on stage for Eddie Kenzo's concert and just made me feel i wasn't playing or part of it but just being on that stage to see him perform there and seeing other people it was quite a quite an experience so i really love that and i'm i'm excited that this second to take two we're able to talk about the concert itself which yeah, we're not able to talk about yeah. time, you know like yeah. that that's really cool um but in the beginning yeah. of the episode or beginning of this recording i mentioned that you are brother to raymond and raymond the director of harder boy he's as a motto uh that we have a episode on here for those of you that listen to it um what was your life growing up with raymond because here we, we oh, we're talking about a lot of music raymond was more into like animation when he talks at least when he talks about but you know better than us because he's your brother you know him better how was your life growing up with him and those differences where Raymond didn't really talk about a lot of music he might do music which we don't know but you do music and a little bit of animation how was that like and your guys differences I think this is kind of interesting because uh a lot of people don't know that Raymond is a dancer and that Raymond really? from, I know I watched your episode <laughs> with Raymond and he didn't talk about yeah. it. he never talks about no. it but he he says he wants to get back into dancing Raymond was on Hot Steps do you remember the show called Hot Steps that used to be Yeah I do on, remember like, uh, Yeah Raymond was on, on one of the seasons of Yeah and he was second he was runner up he's runner up I'm going to go like, I'm going to go look it up <laughs> Yeah, you can find him on YouTube, like Raymond Malinga yeah. dancing. He's there. You'll be surprised. Really? That's um, crazy. Uh, that's a comedy yeah. of God. He didn't even talk about it. <laughs> yeah, he's like with, in a different world, you see it? Like, but yeah. he's probably going to get back into it. I know it has been itching him. He's like, man, I want to dance. Uh, yeah. And also an interesting fact, I think, is that when I was much, much younger, Raymond might have taught me like my first chord on guitar. Uh, because really? he had borrowed a guitar from some friends of his and had come home with it and he knew like basically three chords as well i won't say it's what got me into music cuz i was like in primary school and it was like like years later when i really started getting i touched a guitar again but like it's just maybe an interesting fact that i don't think i've said anywhere else but anyway what was it like when we were young um we we come from the malinga household and there is uh uh four different malinga brothers uh there's daniel who is the eldest then there's ronald then there's raymond then there's robin who is the last born and raymond and i follow each other there's a gap of like what four years in between us i don't know four yeah. four five five well i've never been sure he has his his birthday is like at the end of the year but um yeah so for us when we were younger uh as far as i've known my whole life i've been writing and writing in little books whether it was exercise books from school whether it was uh, on random papers in com- competitions at school i was always writing and um uh randomly some day uh raymond and i discovered each other though we lived in the same house uh it turns out he was also writing in books just like i was and yeah. uh we just started were you um, writing were you writing music or were you writing films? i know 
<laughs> the music journey starts much later, as in like okay. this is literally writing stories. Like I don't know about okay. random stories. I had a story called The Clank that was about uh, uh, I don't know sentient trees that had the power to blow wind. I do not know what the the the, the, the thing, but like I used to share stories like that back and forth, and would have writing sessions together. Um, that was kind of like it, what it was like for some years up until uh, Raymond traveled to go and study in Malaysia, actually. Mm -hmm. So we did it for quite a while, um, just passing back and forth. But otherwise, it's, it's you know, playing video games on a PlayStation and, and you know, what boys do in a house. <laughs> so I guess. That's that's crazy, and I remember you mentioned that in the first uh, recording we had how you both discovered you both didn't know that uh, you were writing, and you both discovered that. Uh, so then, so you were a writer, and you write these stories. How then do you discover animation, and how do you get pulled into animation? So, um, as like a. I think in the year prior to when Raymond left, uh, the two of us had been like uh, just trying to understand how we were going to bring these stories to life. We were very heavily influenced by anime. We had been watching, I don't know, a bunch of anime at the time, Bleach, One Piece, uh, yeah. I don't know, uh, Death Note. Uh, we were watching a bunch of them at the time and we were like, man, there has to be a way that we can be able to tell our stories. So Raymond initially, I'm not sure where he got the software from, but there's this software called 3ds Max <laughs> that, that initially, like, uh, I don't know, we just had it on like my dad's laptop and, and something like that. And, and you know, you have like a sphere and you're like, the sphere is moving. Raymond yeah. has his own journey with like a, a cousin of ours called Gabriel that I think he talked about in, in, the, in, in the podcast yeah. you did with him. But like, uh, we would come back, there was a point when I, when I was like, I'm making, I'm making uh, the website for our, our, our animation studio. And, and anyway, generally the point was that we wanted to find a way, a platform for us to tell our stories, you know? And animation became the medium uh, that we, we used. Mostly because uh, Raymond got the opportunity to go and study uh, 3D animation in Malaysia, and my dad miraculously allowed for him to go, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is a, a big surprise to all of us because uh, he had already started campus, you know. And mm -hmm. um, that was really cool because I, at the time I'd been thinking about, I'd constantly actually been thinking about whether it was actually possible to study it, but. Yeah. Uh, it's good that Raymond got the opportunity. I didn't get the opportunity. It was financially not sound for our family to have two of us at the same time studying animation. But like, it was good because that knowledge became the basis for which our studio was was, was built, you know? And we're now able to do things now, eight years later, uh, with yeah. bits and pieces of that knowledge. That's good to, to hear the journey. And I think Raymond talked about his journey to Malaysia and when he went to study. But I'm going to run it back a little bit because I missed this one question I wanted to ask you. You told us the order of the Malingas, the four brothers. We're two, um, we're two brothers, me and my, my elder brother, Benjamin. We're two years apart. Do you think you be following Raymond helped with your connection with Raymond? And how is your... Do you think that's a closer connection than the other two? Or how can you put that? Yeah, I think to a certain extent, maybe. 
because we do have similar interests. We kind of like similar things, you know, when we were watching anime, we used to watch mm-hmm. together. Uh, at first, Raymond and I, by ourselves, like we, we consumed a lot of content together, whether it was games, right. uh, movies, and uh, anime, and animations, I don't know, comic books, you know, were, were consuming them. So we had similar kind of interests. Um, yeah. I don't know whether that is particularly because of our age, but I'm going to assume it is because we were, we were much closer. Not that I'm not close with my other brothers, because we are all close. It's just that it just so happens that we had more similar interests. And I would even say that even generally amongst the four of us, we kind of all have similar interests because there was a time yeah. when we were all watching anime together still. The four of us are on one laptop like this. You know, if you squeeze out <laughs> this camera, all looking at the screen like this. So it's, it's kind of interesting. It's just that guys had different interests and their paths mm-hmm. in life were. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what, what do the other two do? So uh, my brother, my eldest brother, Daniel, is commonly called Rabbi Daniel by his his, his people. He actually <laughs> runs a fellowship. Uh, okay. Yeah, and he runs a fellowship, like a Christian fellowship. And he's doing pretty well for himself. Like, it's really interesting stuff. I like the approach that he has with when he's um, teaching um, Christianity and stuff like that, because he has a more, an approach of meeting um people where they are in terms of their their questions you know it's like people have questions he refers to himself as a teacher of the word and not a preacher yeah which are, which mm-hmm. which is cool so we had many arguments at home because people yeah, have different that... beliefs i won't say i won't yeah. say <laughs> i say which people belong where but like we would have a lot of back and forth and we we keep on saying that he got training for him to do this from the house which is kind of yeah. cool uh my the my brother ronald ronald is a farmer he um he's, he's farming generally he grows a, a bunch of stuff here and there he rears animals and yeah i don't know he's a farmer i don't know this farming farming on land and making but, and making things selling to different restaurants and, and places around yeah you know one thing and i'm gonna go off track a little bit it's not off track a, a podcast is just a podcast where people talk so I'll stick to the farming. Um, you know, when we were growing up, when when we were in school and you say, ah, I'm going to be a farmer. Farmers are considered as failures. You know, like the other kids would say, oh, man, yeah. oh, uh, that's, you failure. I'm going to be a farmer. I'm going to be a But my perspective changed when I came to the U.S. Farmers make a lot of money. Like I work, one of my bosses, he's a farmer and he's an airplane mechanic. We work together that guy makes a lot of money from farming like it's just a narrative until the farmers we know in uganda are not hitting it big or they're not using like different styles but like those Mm. people are making a lot of money and farmers i'm gonna say it one more time farmers are not failure farmers are like a people that no can make a lot of money and it's a career you eat every day do you know what that means you eat yeah. three times a day, let's say three, two times, or how many times you eat a day, but you're eating every day, and that food has to come from somewhere. Generally, you are an endless market until mm-hmm. you die. And which, if you leave offspring or if you leave other people, they're all going to eat. And food is yeah. uh, never ending, a never ending uh, demand. 
there's a never-ending right. demand for food and yet that's just only one of the products of farming you know mm -hmm. there are different kinds mm -hmm. of, of ways to make money so farming has it's, it's just being smart and i think it's kind of challenging at the start i will say there are a lot of hard lessons you have to learn personally uh when i when we were trying to get into like my parents farm and stuff man that stuff there was, there was a lot of of stuff yeah. that i was like no I the amount of brain time that i need to focus on farming here is almost mm -hmm. the amount of same brain time that i need to focus on creatures animation like it's a full yeah. like you have to fully be committed you can't like i don't even think farming can be i know people have it as a side hustle but if it's a side mm -hmm. hustle it's like you're limiting the scope of what your farming is going to do if you have it full board like every day this is what i'm doing yeah. you're going to yeah. make so much money and you just learn a lot of lessons really fast and really quick it's hard like yeah. everything else and when something is hard that means it's right <laughs> so, so for the kids out there we you know at least i speak for myself when i was in school we would be scared our kids would be scared to say their parents are farmers what's your what's your dad's occupation he's a farmer and like kids would laugh at you but I just want to tell the Man, people out there who are listening, kids. like, yeah, yeah. So I just want to tell the kids out there that farming is no longer what you think or what you see in your head or what you think. It's it's a career and it's a well-paying job, and it's not easy. Yeah. Like uh, about about laughing at kids whose parents were farmers. Back in school, there were kids who were picked up in trucks, and we thought it was funny. But when I grew up. And you understand how expensive a truck is in comparison to your father's saloon car. <laughs> like, yeah. actually, those guys were much richer than we were. <laughs> like, exactly. It's, it's, yeah. So it's just. It's I just like. Crazy. And I don't know. I don't know if all farmers are like that, but I like it that farmers are rich, but they never expose their richness like they they never they're not the kind of people who are going to go out and brag about how much money they have but they have their money like they maybe they invest more money into their business and like the trucks they have the equipments they use on their site you know like but there they have the money but you might think look at them as like poor people but they're not so that was a sidetrack and a life lesson for people out there to change their beliefs and what they think but uh we'll go back to the animation journey and I believe when Raymond was here, he talks about the Calavanda ate my homework. That was one of, it might not have been the first project that you guys did because you know, you guys did a lot of it. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like he talks about that and I want to highlight that. How was uh, Calavanda ate my homework project for you when you when you took part of it? What did you learn from it and how was the process of working on it? Yeah, so Calavanda ate my homework was my first project um, working professionally in this in this animation scene uh so it was very much an ex an experience of learning for me i learned so much um you know i'd been writing for all these years but never in my life had i ever written a script like a screenplay uh so i had to learn how to do that you might have the story but then you know translating to film it's a it's a it's a whole different um canvas so i i i i wrote the screenplay for calabanda at my homework i and i repeated it about like 12 to 15 times uh that's writing start to finish i mean like because the iterations in between when there's like a few changes are made and then it's like a 
a version 3.57 or something like that. But anyway, but I, I, I say officially like 12 times we rewrote the script. There was a lot of back and forth between me and Raymond in terms of like uh, story points and sharing what we felt we needed to to have the film say and where the jokes were landing. Uh, there was a lot of uh, feedback. You know, feedback has been so important to us. And one of the things we did was from very much, even from the script stage, we'd take the script like uh, to different people. Like my mom, you test it on 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 a lady of her age. Then you go and test it on a kid. You go test it on on your peers. And what you do is that you get back feedback of this person laughed here, but this person didn't laugh here. And then you have to understand why, and ask yourself a question of whether that's something that needs to be changed, who it's going to satisfy, whether it also satisfies you, whether you're okay with it. So there's a lot of back and forth. I learned so much about the entire animation process. Because at the okay. time when we started, there was just two of us uh, in, in, in a room in my parents' house. And um, basically, because I, I didn't get to study animation, it meant that the only animator that we had on the team was Raymond. And uh, as COO, you know, I was trying to figure out our business direction and, and the journey that we we're going to take at the time. So it involved a lot of uh, failures. I feel like for the whole first year of Creatures Animation, no, not even a feeling. For the whole first year of Creatures Animation, we didn't make a single cent, not not a shilling, not a dime. We made zero, and uh, it was a lot of try and error. Just you know, we thought, how do we enter the market? How do we show people what do we what we do? And that initial first plan was to come at it using ads, you know, because the most obvious thing, like, well, we can get some money from ads and then we can, we can, you know, finance what we want to do. But we had no portfolio except Raymond's yeah. final year projects, which was not reflective of anything that we could do here. People were not really buying it. And so mm -hmm. no one really wanted to listen. And eventually we settled on doing Color Band at my homework and we thought that it would be something that would do much more for us, you know, in, okay. with some guidance from some of um, Raymond's former workmates. Like I think his former boss told him that uh, if, if we went down the path of doing original content, it would do way more for us than any amount of clips yeah. or ads. And so we just started. And we went for it and mm -hmm. fought through all the hustle for what two years as we were building the team. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, we had seven people who were really talented. And life lessons. I don't know this stuff. Like, unless you ask a specific question about what happened during that, like there was a lot of stuff, man. We're eating badly, <laughs> long nights. <laughs> uh, well, I, I interviewed Pesh. Uh, on the podcast, who was one of the team at that time, I think. Uh, he's in Vancouver right now, and he was talking about his oh, side of the story. Oh. Desh, yeah, Desh, sorry. I interviewed Desh about that, and he was, he's, he told his experience, he was like, at that time, he didn't really care about a lot. He just wanted to work, and he loved the process, and you guys could work till somebody says, Banangi, let's go home. Let's go home, and there's people just yeah. enjoying the moment, and when you, when you have the dream, when you, and this is something I had when I started my podcast, like I have the dream, like I started this podcast solo, but along the journey, I've brought in more people who are helping me 
they're remote, just like I'm remote. Like this is my studio in my house, in my basement. Like I record these podcasts and put them out there. But like I know along the way you need people to be part of your team. And when you have the people that buy into your dream and they like it and they love it, the sky's the limit. Like you're going to go uh, from there and just go up. And I like how that Calabanda ate my homework just launched and just going up to where we're going to go to Kizazimoto. I already talked about, like Raymond was here talking about Kizazimoto. Mm -hmm. But what inspired Calabanda ate my homework? Because so when I uh, when I see that Calabanda ate my homework, it sounds like an excuse a child is giving a teacher, like teacher is asking you, where, where is your homework? Like Calabanda ate my homework. What inspired that story? So when, when, we're, when we're trying to decide um what project to do. Um, we had a couple of ideas on board. Calabanda in my homework was actually one of the ideas Raymond had. And basically that was it. It was, yeah. I have this idea for a story, a Calabanda in my homework, and it's an excuse that a kid gives when he comes to school <laughs> no homework. That, 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 was, that was it, you know? Yeah. And then I went and built upon that, trying to figure out how the story would actually flow, you know, and then in, in came all these other characters, you know, Mr. Ketch and Amia and Chibe, you know, it, 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 it just built out. I think even originally, I, I don't know, was the Calabanda supposed to be in, in, in the film? I don't know. It was, was, was just like, at first it was an excuse. And my memory is a bit foggy about that part, but like, yeah, first it was an excuse, but then it became like, you know, what if the kid is actually telling the truth? And you know the teachers mm -hmm. don't believe him and so he actually really has this problem and that is kind of like you know i guess we kind of left it open-ended to people like is this mm -hmm. kid is this kid telling the truth is it in his head or or is it actually real and in, in my eyes i feel like it's real man like a guy is actually yeah. experiencing some stuff that nobody wants to listen <laughs> to maybe i'm gonna say it's some it's some lies like the guy's like <laughs> No, uh, yeah, I that, that's that's awesome, and it's amazing to to hear that because it brings your memory back to school. When I, I'm the kid who'd go to school, and teachers like, "You didn't do your homework. Why didn't you do your homework?" And yeah, we didn't have power. You don't have candles, and we didn't have like all those excuses. So like that just triggers those memories, and remember that. But like I mentioned, you kind of. Uh -huh. I was going. So what I wonder about is how teachers in those in our in our primary schools. Uh, I don't know, at least at the school I was at, they were very non-forgiving about you, even <laughs> if you, like, for a whole year, you had a streak of delivering homework, mm -hmm. like, positively and passing. This one day when you don't yeah. do it and you actually have an excuse, there was a time uh, even some guy's parent came with him and oh. was like, man, uh, this and this happened, this guy wasn't able to do stuff. And teacher's like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, okay. Then when the, the parent leaves, they're like, come, why did you do your homework? I said, what? Yeah. That's, that's just crazy. So I don't know. In a way, you know, we I know a lot of people look at Kalaman and my homework and they're like, you see that teacher there, Mr. Okech? That's how our teachers are. But, you know, yeah. in my perspective, I really want to paint it out there so that people know that it's not okay for that to be, yeah. like, I feel like, there's a different approach to how to get to these kids you know as in like teachers like i don't know there's a lot of violence in these schools i don't yeah. i don't know that. i feel like teachers back in the day 
they didn't have mercy. They didn't have the heart. They just wanted to cane that Kube Migo. They caned us, like for any reason. They just want, I, I feel like they just wanted to, this is what I think now. I think like they would go in their staff room and say, hey, today I came 35. How many did you came? They were like, they were in a competition. <laughs> I have that theory as well. I yeah. have that theory. They were happy about it, which is yeah. messed so up. Go, maybe they have their own betting going on. It's like, hey, I came 35. How many did you came? So they will find any reason to cane you. And it was, it was, uh, it was a tough time. Teachers came. But yeah, we said Calamanda in my homework was a kickstart to just a kickoff. And Raymond mentioned that when he was on the podcast, like to get you out of the garage, to start a studio. And with all the things that you guys did, then it brings to this amazing project that's now it's all over the world. Kizazimoto had a boy, which was amazing. And if you missed the episode with Raymond, he goes in depth of that project here with Robin. We're going to touch a little bit only on the, his side and how it was for him but like if you want the depth of everything uh, Raymond was here to mainly talk about the project so then it leads to Kizazimoto how were you where were you when you found about this opportunity of landing Kizazimoto where was I uh let's see it was it was during the lockdown in the pandemic that it was officially confirmed like I think yeah. the first lockdowns in 2020 so i was at home <laughs> in the trapped side but it was a very nice moment personally for me i kind of invited some friends over and uh kind of had like a little party with them i know that wasn't supposed to be happening but there were a few people, there were like people and the windows yeah. were open <laughs> but like but like i invited them over they didn't know why i was calling them over and i didn't even tell them why but I just needed mm. to celebrate with some people because I was not, yeah. it was not my place to really be saying something to them at the time because there are a lot of NDAs and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I was just like this yeah. and I was like, no, guys, let's be happy. Yeah, there's really stuff to be happy about. But yeah, it came, it was a really big deal. And for a while for me, I'll be honest, it didn't really register. And I try not to register things in my mind until they really start and get off because i feel like with this amount of time that i've had in this space a lot of things can reach like 99 percent and not happen yeah and so for me i was i was i was like happy it was confirmed but like i was like let's first start actually yeah. if anything let it first come out <laughs> let it be finished <laughs> And then we were yeah. seen, and then I'm like, yeah, now, now, now the Disney project has been done, you know. But yeah. which is so funny because at the end of that process, I'm already over it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it was cool and all, but now we're on to the next one, you know. Right. So, I don't know. Kizazimoto was great for us. Uh, it was great for Raymond. It was great for our studio. It has exposed our team to like a whole like world of knowledge that I feel like not many people have had access to. And uh, we're trying to utilize that knowledge to be able to build our studio and our animation industry over here in Uganda and Africa to become bigger things, you know. Um, mm. we're, we're picking and choosing exactly what information is useful and what information is not because we have to do yeah. things our own way over here in Africa. We can't do them the American yeah. way. We can't do them the European way or Indian or whatever. We have to just do them our own way because we yeah. have different factors standing over here. So 
Kizazimoto has really been a very big pivotal part in, in that, in us understanding where different industries lie and us then applying it to our own. Yeah, I am a person who do, doesn't like to get disappointed, so I'll hold my hopes before something really happens because then the heartbreak will be worse than, oh my gosh, it, it was close. Um, but what was it then after you seeing it on Disney Plus? Like, you know, the whole process is done. Now, boom, goes live, 5th July. We're live on Disney Plus. How was the feeling when you saw it on there? So, Disney Plus is not available in Uganda. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I will say that I didn't watch it the second it came out. It really took some yeah. time for us to be able to get a version that we could actually watch as the team here. Um, okay. So, I didn't have the immediate impact. Uh, which, is, okay. which is kind of funny and, and ironic, I guess. Uh, but I had seen the film, obviously, like, but I'd not seen that. Were, finished, you part, finished, were you part of a screening? Did you go to a screening or screening, was it just no. Raymond? No, 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 I, I, I didn't. No, Raymond is the one, he's okay. one who went to South Africa. I didn't go for the screening. Okay. So okay. I really hadn't watched the finished the finished version. I'd, okay. I'd seen the film's story finished, but I'd not seen the final full rendered film with all the sound yeah. and what they had done. Um mm -hmm. So when I watched it, I was actually really proud and really happy about what had come out. Like I felt like it was, it was real, and um, it wasn't fake. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like bad. You know, it was a good film, and yeah. for that to be something, you know, it's one thing to be announced that there's a Disney project coming from a Ugandan. And then when yeah. it comes out, it's actually rubbish, you know. <laughs> but I actually <laughs> genuinely like it. Uh, there was, yeah. uh, it was it was genuinely like a nice story and really well directed. Mm -hmm. So kudos to Raymond for that. Yeah. And I really, I really liked, I really liked it because you know, Hada Boy yeah. it, in its entirety, I think from since we began, it's like the first project Raymond had done, like completely as him in terms of story and everything. Like, I mean, not not in life, but like with the studio when we had the studio yeah. so that was really nice to see i was it was nice to see what his mind is doing yeah. what he would make on his own and mm. i was like interesting like you know it's it's interesting stuff because i can really tell with the partnership that we have in our writing uh that probably i would have even changed some things i don't know if they would have made it worse <laughs> or better who knows <laughs> but like it, it would have definitely yeah. been a different different ish story so it was interesting to watch. And mm -hmm. I was really glad that I liked the film that he had, along with the other films, because I kind of binged all of them. And I was like, dude, this this, mm -hmm. this, this is actually, it's it's not easy to binge Kizazimoto because the films are so dense in terms yeah. of content. But I, I, I binged through mm -hmm. them. And I was extremely proud of everything that the guys had done. There. I was like, guys, this is a big deal. Yeah. I was really happy. Mm -hmm. I was really happy. All the films came out pretty good. and. Like for me, I got the opportunity to see the first the day it came because Raymond had told me it's coming out of it, so get ready. And we we're gonna record on the eighth, so I may I need to make sure I get it. Yeah. And when I turn on my Disney Plus like this, and the sound comes on, and then uh, you hear these words. The, my smile was like going all the way crazy, and just like an anxious, like somebody, like a kid looking for like presents and stuff. And then you see some hints of like your country, you know. And then you hear some mm. Luganda, oh, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know that name. And then, uh, go. And I was like, yeah, oh my yeah, gosh, yeah. I, like, he's home right there. And I remember I told Raymond about that. So 
for me was a lot of like excitement. I was, I felt like I was part of it. I felt like I was I was included in it because my language was being spoken on that. So it, that's how I felt about it. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there that have different experiences and when they watch it. It was amazing. It was clean. It was a great job that you guys did. And uh, yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved every bit of it. Last time, and this is now, now you already know. I, I made a trick for you. I asked you the questions that people had asked a while ago and I didn't tell you the names. And then afterwards I told you who asked the names. But some of the questions <laughs> I got from the people. <laughs> Like you're selling yourself, you can lie to the audience. <laughs> they don't have to know. What would you advise someone who wants to join animation space but does not have any clear art and background on or history of animation? Uh, so you know, it's like not. I'm just going to say very, very quickly that I actually wasn't thinking about the questions before I came on, and so I don't yeah. even know what I answered the last time. But I'll probably answer. Okay. I probably have like. <laughs> fresh new answers let's see if i'm consistent i don't know uh somebody somebody who is trying to get into animation but doesn't have background or history of animation yeah that person is me i am very much that person and uh here's the thing animation is a very big team effort and people tend to assume that when you're making an animated piece of content, a film, a show, that everyone is animating. But in the animation pipeline, there are animators, and then there are a lot of other different people in the in the space. So you have concept artists, you have riggers who are just uh, making the bones and doing anything technical. Then there are modelers who basically model the characters and different assets in the thing, uh, in the film. Uh, then there's texture artists who are putting materials, and then they're writers. And that's only in, in terms of, you know, the people who are working uh, uh, on physically on the film. In mm -hmm. our studio, a company like ours, there is different other roles that are not even technical, you know, because it's a business. And mm -hmm. a lot of films, you see, you see those, those credits produced by, then you see mm -hmm. line produced, uh, assistant line manager, what are these things? They're, these are all roles of people who are not doing things technically, but are very integral to the process. So right now, I am personally, for uh, there's a show that we're doing right now on YouTube, a kid's show uh, called Kunda and Friends, which is like a toddler's, you know, learning learning kind of show. But mm -hmm. based off of what we had learned on Kizazimoto and seeing how the, the pipeline was being done there, I modeled a new whole um, um, method of working for our team. And uh, it basically pushed me into line production, which makes me kind of like the line producer for Kunda and Friends. And a line producer doesn't have to have a uh, background in animation at all. What it okay. is, is really uh, the line producer is basically making sure that everything on the line is moving. So right. what everyone is doing, making sure that it's done right giving them um, proper direction, times of scheduling, and making sure that this happened before that, you know, the model was made in time for the rigger to put the bones in. The, the, the Kunda character is ready for the animators to use in this particular episode, things like that. And watching that, that is also a whole kind of different job of its own that has it's entirely nothing to do with 
right. the animation per se, but has everything to do with the animation, which is kind of. So you find like uh, a person like me, it's actually nice that I have this book here. Um, I do a lot of the uh, thumbnailing. I call it thumbnailing because I, I can't call this storyboarding because <laughs> I'm not really good at drawing. But like yeah. a lot of the episodes that you see on Kun and Friends, I did the the storyboards. Like I don't know if oh, the image wow. is clear. Oh, yeah. oh so wow! I like this, yeah, yeah, I see. It's like wheels on the bus. I like the yeah. drawings are so bad, but then the thing is that <laughs> they translate. <laughs> they translate, yeah. and all I have to do is get this get this to to our artists who are much better than me. You know, oh. and you know, you find that that artist their challenge might be that they don't have the story. And I find this is the easiest way to translate the story for people who are artistically, you know, rather than a script for them, sometimes they really need thumbnails. Because here I can give you proper direction in terms of camera, how things are moving, where each character is placed in the scene. And then when you see what these guys translate from my crazy stickman drawings, I'm just like, what? And this is the person <laughs> who is not is not technically as in like doing animation. And yet you watch a bunch of the episodes on, on YouTube. I thumbnailed most of them and it goes through right. the pipeline and I'm just making sure it goes from start to finish. No, this yeah. was supposed to be like this. This is supposed to be like that. That was that. And that's, and that's how it's going, you know? So it's, um, it's really, 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 really hundred percent possible. I feel not only for animation, yeah. but for almost anything, you know, when they say, right. if you want something, go for it, that kind of thing. I know. I, I like your answer. I like that. The way, you, even how you ended it, like it's not only for animation, but for anything in life. They, we need a lot of people. Like that's why even in school, you have teachers, you have head teachers, you have cooks, you have cleaners. So you're going to need everybody to make something like running and yeah, to be able to do it. Exactly. I, I'm, I got a question for you on that, actually. Did you do any, were you part of any music creation since you you do music? Did you do anything like with music for Calavan, they ate my homework uh our composer is isaiah the composer but um and he did an, an, an excellent job i really loved what the final product was and that was many years ago at the time i was asking myself because i had all these ideas about what the music could be like and at a certain point it had come down to, to me sitting at with him at the studio at his studio and were figuring out the music and you know, where I was like almost like to a certain extent, like la 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 la. And then this is then he plays it in and puts it in the software. And yeah. you know, that's that's how it comes. Let's add some more drums. And yeah. after that, after that, you know, after that, you know, you leave him and he goes on his own and he composes something. So it's very much full credit to him. But what I'm trying mm -hmm. to the reason why I say that is because after Kalavanda in my homework was done, I asked myself why I wasn't just doing it myself because if i had all the uh all all the ideas in my head all i didn't do was just learn the software and do it and so today i i really got into it and uh i just really went down a journey you know i have my little uh controller here for for composition yeah. as well uh and so i i i really got into it so much of our work in-house i have done mm, I, I can't think of a project, but like most of our work in-house, including client work and mm -hmm. and different things here, except Kizazimoto, Kizazimoto was politics. Most of the work that we've done, I've done, I've done, I've done the music and the sound. 
Like I generally just got into sound. Like I was the sound resident sound person at Creatures. We need a voiceover yeah. to talk to Robin. In fact, for some of our work, I've yeah. done the voiceovers myself. And even mm. for Kalamanda in my homework, the scratch voices of all the characters were either Raymond or me. And you know, we because yeah. it's just like that. And recorded at home, we would just do some things. Yeah. And sound is very much because we want to be a full studio that everything happens in-house anything that for the production of the yeah. of the animation sound is very important in film and so i'm really driving uh, a direction of our studio that also focuses on sound and the idea is to have more people come in for sound look at that sound is also something important for animation and mm -hmm. there's there's people who are literally on animation teams for sound purposes and never touch touch any of the characters but like yeah so there's, there's just a whole direction there that i want to get into as well or that we have already started and i'm i'm i'm, I'm building on uh the other question has his upbringing or where he was raised influenced his craft he's being me yeah, yeah he's being you okay okay um i i would like to think that everyone's journey influences what what they do in 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 their careers of their lives much ahead in their adulting you know and it definitely has because i feel like we're exposed to a lot of different kinds of content when we were younger i've watched along with my brothers we've watched a ton of things that i know a bunch of ugandans haven't watched because for a while uh when we were younger we we were in Belgium because my dad was working in Belgium for some time, uh, for about seven years. And um, I wasn't there for seven years. I was there for like three, three, three or four years. So I was really young. But the thing is that my parents kind of recorded um, uh, cassette tapes of like everything. I don't even know why or what their future plans were. But when we came back to Uganda, there were boxes upon boxes of tapes. And yeah throughout my childhood like you know we didn't have dstv or what people would call cable uh and so you know you just throw in a tape and they're labeled the one is called just cartoons one is called swan princess one is called i don't know it might even be sunset beach it might even be soaps you know or like bold and the beautiful so you're like watching yeah. a bunch of these things and i know people have watched some of them but like their shows in particular were watching I don't know, there's like Mighty Max or like, I, I don't know, people hadn't watched The Tick over here. Just a bunch of things that we were watching. So I consumed all that content plus all the content when I came to Uganda, I was also consuming all the things, I don't know, Samurai X, this and that, whatever was on our yeah. local channels here. And and just continue pushing, pushing. And my parents uh, were very open to what we consumed, I would say. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know, parental guidance was needed for some of those things, <laughs> but like, like, uh, we turned out fine, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah. they, they, they were really like, uh, we were exposed to so much and that just defines our direction of things. And so some mm -hmm. of the stories that I'll tell will be based off my own life experience or inspired by yeah. things I saw, you know, we grew up in flats along with a bunch of other children and so we're interacting in different households i was absorbing all those things i love the flat living life and it's it's nice for kids mm -hmm. anyway. i don't know in my opinion as kids we were we were exposed to so many different kinds of families <laughs> and, yeah. and 
you know, the people with the parents who are like, get out, you're making noise. And then the ones who are just so loving. And then the ones who want y'all to stay over. Then the ones who are a bit of both. The one where the yeah. mommy is the one we don't talk to. Then there's other one of like, guys, dad is never around. But when it comes, you better. And these are all stories, you know. Okay. And when I think about them now as an adult, I'm just really, it's like, it's like, you know, writers are basically drawing from what they know. So even, yeah. even anybody else from what they like, no life is boring. I don't believe so. Whatever you're calling as a boring life is probably the most interesting thing that somebody would want to write about. So yeah. I don't know. In terms of in terms of a storyteller, very much influenced the way I think. You know, Kalavanda in my homework is is the classroom setting is based off of like a classroom that's a meld of what uh, uh, my classroom and Raymond's classrooms were like. You know. But that's not how all the classrooms are in Uganda are like. You know, it's like we would try to gate, uh, gate. We try to, we try to make uh, a kind of environment in terms of that classroom and the setting that encompassed a lot of different kinds of people's classrooms. Because we're asking people also for feedback here and there what they thought. But generally, like the 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 soul of it comes from what our journey has been. So yes, yeah. very much so. Moinga has an amazing analogy about the sailors, the vast, the vast land, etc. He should reshare. Somebody wants you to reshare that. Yeah, I remember this from the last time. I'll, I'll try to explain it because I, 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 I'll try to, I'll try to explain it uh, as best as I can. Um, I didn't think it was something worth sharing on a podcast. By the way, like I find that interesting, but I did think that it was something yeah. important that that a lot of uh people younger than me should see i feel like i'm not that old but like uh anyone who is in their like early 20s and it's like in mm -hmm. campus and maybe just leaving and maybe generally i don't know let's say eh, let me get to it so basically uh the analogy is that um i look at at life almost like when we are still in school on campus um and i'll also add um living with our parents we are on um well like on a ship a ship that's on the ocean and everyone is given particular instructions you know um robin you're supposed to do this raise the mast do this i might be butchering that stuff uh but like do, do I, everyone is given a particular role and it's very clear what you're going to do tomorrow there's a schedule there's a this there's a that but then when we leave school and get out into the real world, it's like the ship has docked at an island uh, that is as vast as the eye can see, like endless land, and you don't know what this place is, and it goes in all directions, and there is no paths, there's no roads, there's nothing there, and everyone starts to get off the ship at their own pace. Everyone has to get off the ship. So when people get off the ship, some people move in that direction, completely like that side. Somebody goes straight down the middle, another one down that side, and you just all go off in your own directions with no real idea what's going to happen. And um, at some point, you know, you might bump into somebody else while you're still roaming the island. And when you find this person, you find, oh, they have actually made some progress in their lives on this island life and they have probably you know 
made 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 some progress you know so that would be equivalent to to you know a couple of years later you meet your friend and they said that they were going to become a farmer full circle full circle and anyway, they were going to become a farmer and then you discover that you know when you saw them going down that path you were like man that guy is crazy doesn't he see that this path here is the right one but that's what looked nice for you he went down that side you met him again and while he's a farmer he's actually really a great like he's having a great life he's fulfilled and he's happy uh and then you find another friend down the other path who said they're going to do this and she's happy and but then you find some who are struggling and it's you know there's a lot of unknowns basically is what i'm saying you know when you get off the ship onto the island of life there's a lot of unknowns about what's going to happen but you have to go because some people when they jump off the ship can't even take it they want to jump back mm. onto the ship but that ship that ship it says sailed it's going back yeah. to pick up new customers new new crews you know and some people get stuck uh, at the shore for the longest time trying to see how they could go back onto the ship and the reason why i share the story is so that people are aware beforehand what's going to happen when they are out of the comfort of school and their parents' lives. I felt that um, it's not like um, it was extremely hard for me, but I was shocked at how no one really says anything to you, like not your parents, or at least in my experience, anyway, in my experience, they, my parents didn't say nothing. Everyone's just keeping quiet, not telling you what this life is like outside of the nest, you know? And I feel like there needs to be mm -hmm. some little bit of like forewarning or guidance as somebody is going into the world, just so that they have the headspace to be able to to walk stronger and with more confidence that this is okay. You know, I'm not supposed to know exactly what's going to happen next because we have been in a life of programming. You know, our whole our mm -hmm. whole education system and everything, university, high school, primary, nursery, you've been scheduled into a life, and for that schedule to suddenly be removed. people are, Some people are not ready to take it. And they're just like, what? But some people are. And some people are, but they're like dragging their feet. So, you know, and just, just an analogy that I made. Right. I know who said it and, and <laughs> asked ask me to tell the story. But I, I no. guess they, they find value in it, which is nice. Yeah. No, I was going to say the same thing. Like I know at the beginning you said you, you don't think this is a story worth sharing on the podcast, but I think for me, person who likes to listen, I think this is like the, well, I don't know how to call it, but like the point for me, like this is, I love this. I love that kind of stuff. You know, it's something that makes you think. When you were telling that story, I was hearing it for the first time. And I know my listeners are going to be hearing it for the first time, but like that's some of the things. There's something like when you mentioned about people leaving the ship and going on the land and some of them wanting to go back, but the ship has already left. To me, I was thinking about it as a regret in life, like, oh, I should have done this. I should have gone back to yeah. this and done this, but that is already gone. Like, you could have done whatever you had to do at the time. It's like, so, like, take opportunity of all the time that you have and use it to the best ability of what you can do. At least it could be, like, many people can take out different things from that. But that's a story for somebody yeah. to think about it and just apply in your life. And that kind of stuff, I like it. I love it. I don't know what the listeners will think about it, or maybe you don't think like, oh, this is not something people will be interested in. But 
it is it is for me at least for me i i, I like it and yeah. like i told you last time i told you last time when i had you on the podcast that you're one of the people that i could sit down and talk to like for hours and for hours and for hours yeah. because of yeah. like the flow of the conversation the things we talk about and your brother raymond too like you guys god has blessed you with this wisdom of words and like I mean, I think that comes with you guys storytelling. You that's what you do, that's your job, being a storyteller. Maybe. So but much much obliged. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate appreciate you saying that. Yeah. So yeah, I I I'm thankful for that. And I I can't wait for the listeners to tap into this episode. I'm glad the audio worked out. It came out great. And uh if you have that audio recorded, you uh send it out to me. But um what's a life lesson you've learned in life to this point? life lesson my life lesson is at least in this moment in time and for a couple of years has been it's a marathon not a sprint um something that is very important to me every day i tell myself every day you know sometimes you you do things and you think you're supposed to see the results immediately but the truth is that you're supposed to go through the race for a while before you get there and it's very much something that we implement in our team and i implement in my work you know, a person who goes to the gym will say the exact same thing, you know, incremental, incremental gains. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a, an illusion of, of us when we're much younger, like, like in this stage of life that I'm supposed to have made it, you know, I, I want to make it you know, now, now, you know, but then you have to put in the work and that work uh gives birth to results and those results you have to put more work into them and then the things keep on building so it's a marathon you know you're going to run how many how many thousands of kilometers but when you reach the end you know how many people celebrate when when our guys win win the marathons guys are like hey Chiptege, my guy guys run is fast you think it was you think it was five minutes you think it was even the hour that he ran <laughs> no a man has been training for how many months to get to that, to do that thing. No, it's yeah. not simple. It's not simple. And I, I, I think it's, yeah. it's a general life lesson. It applies across everything. What gets you excited about life? What gets me excited about life? I've forgotten about this question, but I don't know yeah. about all of them. Um, what gets me excited about life? I think I get excited learning new things. Anything that's new to me, a new skill, a new problem, a new this, a new problem that I can solve or that I have to solve. Uh, the fact that in each point in life there is always something new, and mm -hmm. in stages of life you learn new things. It just excites me, man. Anything new, I just love learning. Learning, maybe yeah. let me say, learning because there's so much. There's different places. That's why I, I really, I really love traveling as well. Because when you travel to some other place, you discover new ways people are thinking, new things people are doing, like the same stuff you do back at home. Mm -hmm. It's just exciting for me just to know that there is more out there than what I have now. You know, that's that's yeah. basically it. The final question on the podcast is a signature question. Who would you like to see on my podcast next? And you're going to help me connect me with this person to be our next guest. Yeah. The, I feel there's a close friend of mine called Isaac Noel that goes by Scarlet Motif on Instagram. He's a visual artist, makes a lot of um, 
like visual graphics for like concerts and in his own work. Um, mm. I, be, I, be, I guess he can he can expound on that when he talks about it. But he has done a lot of um, big things. I know he did an exhibition in South for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. He's done some stuff in South Africa. And not people, not no one really knows this kind of of work, you know. Mm. So basically, think about it like an artist, like a painter, who displays at a gallery, and okay than their visual artists and it's a really big thing i recently traveled to to barcelona and i went to a museum there and in some of their museums they have places for digital basically his work digital okay. artists not exactly his work but like the kind of work he does like digital art is also displayed in the museum on screens with music and stuff like that so he's a musician as well so he makes music for his own his own visual art and that what's so special about it is that his work is interactive. So when he does displays, the work is either affected by the music or he can put uh, a display where it interacts with the people, whereby when you move, the art moves. It's cool stuff. Yeah. I, I find that yeah. that's somebody interesting and not something you'd find in Uganda or Africa at large mm -hmm. for that. Very commonly, yeah. That, that would be amazing. And for before we end this, I want to remind the people that it's because of my guests that my podcast is here. And that question, who would you like to see on my podcast next, had has taken me places. It's taken me to the UK, has taken me to the Caribbean, has taken me to Uganda. And that's why in this very moment when my podcast has been nominated for the Pulse Influencer of the Year Awards, and for the second time because we won the first time and <laughs> i love it and i want to thank all my guests i want to thank the people who are voting right now because we're in the lead and it's because of these things that when people share on instagram so like i have friends in costa rica that shared hey vote for this person i have friends in turkey that shared hey vote for this person in canada dash um so you get to see all these countries coming together to to, to support my podcast. My podcast is not the biggest podcast in the world. Like some people don't even know it in Uganda. Some people don't, I don't know, but like to see the love from the people supporting it, it's not the best technology. It's not the best lighting. It's not the best, that, none of that matters. But for me, I like the goal that we get to hear stories of what we do, content creators in Uganda. You just talked about the person you recommended that i don't know but like when i get talk to him like that's cool you're doing a very and I, I already can't wait to talk to him because it's something i'm i'm not familiar about and i can't wait for my listeners to turn into something like that so once again vote for us uh, i ask you to vote but again i remind you like with or without the award we're still gonna go and bring these stories out to you because i feel like there's yeah, a lot of stories i've not yet but congratulations <laughs> <laughs> thank you my brother thank you but once again uh malinga robin thank you and remember i told you the last time we recorded i'm coming to uganda this december to visit so i want to meet you Please. and want to have a, a live conversation with you more about different things i Please. can't wait yeah yeah all I'm right looking forward to it, man. Thank all you right for my me. brother thanks very much my brother let me let you go uh, enjoy the rest of your day all right nice to see you cheers thank you all right bye
Hey there,、uh, this is Bonnie Kibuka, the host of the Ugandan Boy Talk Show. Thanks for watching and listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend and recommend somebody to this podcast. Don't forget to leave a feedback on this podcast because that's how we grow. And also, don't forget to share, like, subscribe, and comment. Join us on our social media platforms on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much and be blessed.